everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 151 of the John Riley Project. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We're live streaming on YouTube and on Facebook. We'll have this posted up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. It'll be up online. But hey, thanks for joining us. You know, it's a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And man, we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about um, magic mushrooms and drugs. We're going to talk about drugs and we're going to talk about AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and kind of my love-hate relationship with her and um, got a bunch of other fun things in store for you. Um, but yeah, we're doing the live stream and geez, what time is it? It's about 930 right now. And the Padre game just ended and the Padres, they won 14 to four. The offense just blew up. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., two homers, one of which was a grand slam, um, seven RBI. The, the three-run homer he hit was just a laser beam bullet. I mean, what a, just a special talent. It's so awesome that here in San Diego, where we have just a, such a terrible history of, of losing teams, we finally have one of the big superstars in baseball. It's just really exciting. Um, but it was interesting is in the game, you know, the Texas Rangers were really pissed off at him um, because the bases were loaded. The Padres are up 10 to three and they had a 3-0 count and they just kind of grooved a fastball. And I guess that's, you know, sort of baseball etiquette to lay off that pitch. But Tatis just crushed it into the right center field uh, seats. And um, the next batter, Manny Machado, they threw behind him. And, you know, it was a it was a big controversy. So pretty interesting stuff. But. In the end, um, man, Tatis has got to be a, an MVP candidate. Um, it's exciting. And the Padres now, they're back to 500. You know, Zach Davies pitched really well. He's kind of stealthy good. And and even though we're going through some tough times with, you know, Tommy Pham is hurt and um, – Kirby Yates is hurt and Francisco Mejia is hurt and Will Myers is hurt. Somehow they still came um, up with a 14 to four victory. So um, nice to get out of the NL West and play against the Texas Rangers. Um, yeah, the other thing going on tonight is uh, the Democratic Convention. And I've been seeing some, you know, tweets about it and some people commenting online. I don't know. For me, I'm just I normally like watching the conventions, both the Republican and, and, and Democratic conventions. But, you know, this year there's no audience and it just it's not going to have the same energy. And I'm just not really all that interested. And, and so um, kind of we all know what's going to happen. Biden's going to be the, you know, the guy. And you know, I guess maybe we'll catch highlights of it later. But, um, yeah, I just kind of have a sort of a meh attitude to it. You know, at any rate. Let's talk about this topic of magic mushrooms. I never thought in a million years this would be a topic for me on the podcast. But last night I was watching 60 Minutes and they had a segment that was really good. It was really interesting. And it was it was titled How Psychedelics Can Help People with Addiction and Anxiety and said that study participants at some of the country's leading medical research centers are going through intense therapy and six-hour psychedelic journeys deep into their minds to do things like quit smoking and worry less. And, man, this was 
amazing. I mean, because some of these things are things that I'm trying to work through, you know, with um, anxiety and overthinking. And, um, you know, these people had much more severe challenges. I mean, not even the same league that I'm in. Um, And they were able to find solutions by taking these mushrooms. Um, and it was just fascinating. It's kind of like the the dark side, this sort of secret type of science that is shunned in mainstream culture, but has these incredible benefits. Um, and, you know, I know about your experience with mushrooms. I've never taken mushrooms, but when I was in college, um, a lot of my friends did. And I remember our fraternity used to do a... Um, a teeter-totter marathon to raise money for multiple sclerosis. And it would be, you know, 24 hours, like for a whole week. And it was a pretty cool um, event. But I know some of those late evenings, some of some of the guys in our fraternity would kind of trip out on mushrooms while they did that. And you'd hear just their crazy stories and their adventures. And, and um, you know, so it was prevalent. It was, a, it was around me in the 1980s when I was in college. It was always something that was... Interesting, you know. I was kind of curious about. It. I never took the plunge, um, but it's it's cool that 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 the 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 drugs themselves aren't just voodoo. They're not just you know evil. They're not just you know this hidden underground thing. That they're actually medical therapeutic benefits that can actually solve people's problems. And that's what the sixty minutes piece really got into, which was so fascinating. Um, and I'll put a link to the 60 Minutes piece that has both the, the written article and the video of the 15-minute segment on the show. But it was great. And, you know, they talked about how they could treat addiction, depression, and anxiety. And for smokers, they were able to cure 80% of the people, um, you know, get them to stop smoking, which – you know, getting people to stop smoking is so difficult. It's so hard. And it's one of the most addictive substances. I mean, heck, there's so many smokers in my family. I've been around that a lot. And I know they have a very difficult time quitting. But the these these this drug was able to basically kind of rewire their brain so they didn't have to have that addiction to nicotine. I mean, there was one guy that was featured on the show that he was drinking 20 cocktails a night, 20 drinks a night. I mean, the doctors thought that he was going to kill himself and he ended up taking these these mushrooms and now he doesn't drink at all and he has no desire for alcohol and he feels great. And wow, wasn't it just so special? To see this, um, you know, from, you know, these people that have their struggles, their challenges and this this drug, this, you know, something that has been shunned or really thought of as dirty and ugly is actually something that could really help people. Um, So that was the neat part of it. Now, you know, part of this is all goes back to this foolish war on drugs, right, because, you know, back in you know, the counterculture in the 1960s, and then everyone was coming down on drugs. And, um, you know, it's like the Timothy Leary, you know, urging people to turn on, tune in, drop out. It just led to a big clampdown. But it was all driven by fear. It was driven by not really understanding the science um, and not understanding how these drugs were in many ways beneficial. But they were just being used by, you know, those people, you know, the hippies, or in some cases, people of 
color. And, you know, that's where the whole war on drugs kind of started was when the Nixon administration really wanted to kind of control the hippies and control people of color. Um, and that's what's led to mass incarceration and all kinds of terrible outcomes with the war on drugs. But it's that fear in 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 mainstream culture that has pushed this into the corners. And it's just a shame because, yeah, you know, there's a trippy aspect to it and people do it recreationally. And, you know, some people will say that it's immoral, but I'm telling you, these people had real results, real benefits from taking these drugs. It was just awesome to see. Um, And, there was one person and and he said that he experienced what the researchers describe as ego loss or identity loss, the quieting of the constant voice we all hear in our mind. It was essentially was like his brain in a way was rewired from this that and it was that constant self-talk, you know, that leads people into depression or anxiety that he was able to to kind of quiet the volume. And what's interesting is for me this is I've been going through some of this myself where and I've commented about this on the podcast in previous episodes where um, I've had uh, cases where, you know, the self-talk can be very loud volume and, you know, you're kind of reliving old moments or you're worrying about the future or you pick an event in your past and you relive it over and over and over again in a in a cyclical fashion and it can drive you bonkers sometimes Um, and i've been able to work through a lot of this and it's been challenging you know through journaling and you know i went to pahrump last weekend to um you know to to my so-called fortress of solitude you know kind of got away from it all had nothing scheduled no one to, you know, be with just by myself and really took the time to process a lot of things. It was very, very helpful. Um, But I've been able to achieve a lot of that clarity. I've been able to achieve sort of a quieting of the mind, which then gives me greater focus, greater clarity and leads to greater productivity, which I, I shared in the last episode that this past week I've been just knocking things down and I've been kind of feeling good back in my productive groove. And it's because I've been able to quiet my mind. And it's interesting because I know people that suffer from severe depression, severe anxiety. I mean, the volume in their mind must be like a rock concert. It must be at full blast, like, you know, in... um um, in Spinal Tap, where they turn the amplifiers up to 11. It's got to be like that for some of those people that suffer from severe depression and anxiety. And these magic mushrooms were able to get them to quiet their mind. And they could be at peace. And all of that mental, you know, overthinking and anxiety and depression just melted away. Um, there was um, a person on there. Her name was uh, Carrie Pappas, and she was diagnosed with stage three lung cancer in 2013. And, and during her, you know, session, I, what's the name of the drug? Psilocybin, psilocybin, but it's essentially the, the ingredient in the magic mushrooms that have this effect on people. Um, she found herself, she had a bad trip. She found herself trapped in a nightmare her mind created. And she said, it's interesting how she said it was like in her trip, she was in this 
ancient, prehistoric, barren land, and there are these men with pickaxes and just slamming on rocks. And it felt real to her during this trip. Um, absolutely real. But she was shown the truth of reality. And I know that sounds very new agey and voodoo, but she was she was shown the truth of reality. And um, she originally thought that life was meaningless and had no purpose. And then um, and then she she took a look and she said that, you know, she was a witness, a beautiful, shimmering, bright jewel. And then it then it was sound. It was the booming and booming. And she realized that she could be present and she was right here, right now. She was able to quiet all of those demons through this process. And she said, yeah, you're alive right here because it's all you have. And that's the mantra that she she lives to this day. She was able to get into the present, you know, because sometimes our minds, we we get too far out into the future. We begin becoming anxious about things that have never happened. We we live in and process in our mind all sorts of hypothetical situations that may or may not happen. We invent arguments in our mind um, of that have never existed. Um, we create opponents in our mind and have those arguments. I've done that. Um, and and then we also maybe look to the past and relive moments, have regret, wish we did things differently. Um, she was able to not live in the future. She was able to not live in the fa- past, but instead live in the present. And when she got to that point, all of that noise quieted down. And she got to this place because of magic mushrooms. So it's it's just awesome you know, to see this. I mean, not only because people are able to find a cure and think about how many people in America that are really suffering from depression and anxiety. Think about the number of people in America that go to suicide and, and kill themselves because they are in such a state of mental chaos. Well, there are solutions that are out there, but the government has made them illegal. The government has said, you're not allowed to do that. So they have to have these studies kind of you know, kind of, you know, off to the side, you know, in this naughty world when these medicines, you know, could be extraordinarily beneficial. And it just goes to show how the whole war on drugs is just so utterly foolish. Now, that doesn't getting rid of the war on drugs doesn't mean that we want everyone out there high and um, and tripping on mushrooms. But we should let people that have a need for this be able to get help and be able to scientifically find a cure to the problems that they have. And that's what's so cool about this is that is that the the fear mongering, the worries over counterculture and a lot of this um, disbelief in science is is also quieting. It's, now, granted that some of that still exists, and I think we can go into the political world and talk about that. But little by little, a lot of that's being more and more diminished. And, you know, the embracement of science is just so wonderful. So I'm just I just watched this episode and I I loved it for the fact that a people were getting these innovative cures, how B, it proved that the whole war on drugs nonsense was what was preventing this from being some kind of mainstream therapy. And then thirdly, 
I was going through some of this myself, figuring out ways to quiet my mind, but doing it through journaling and processing issues. And I've been able to make great progress on my own. But it was cool to see people find other pathways to get them to that destination of a quiet mind. And so um, if you have a chance, I really encourage you to check out that episode. It's, it was on 60 Minutes last night. Um, again, I'll have a link in the show notes where you can read the article or you can just even Google 60 Minutes. And it's on their front page right now um, about you know this, this magic mushroom therapy. But I, I just thought it was fantastic. So um, I want to definitely lead off the podcast with that. Um, yeah, just moving on. Hey, you know, we're, we're trying to build the audience here. So it'd be really helpful if you're watching in the live stream, maybe you're watching a recorded version of this. Perhaps you're listening, um, on Apple podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, you know, it'd be really helpful if you can like the episode, like it in social media, um, or share it, um, refer it to a friend. That really helps our in the algorithms because, you know, we're trying to build the audience and the more people that engage with our episodes, um, the better we're going to do. And we're going to be able to kind of ratchet this up. And we've been doing a really good job of building the audience. But, you know, there's obviously a, there's much greater heights we can get to. So really would appreciate it if you could, um, you know, like, subscribe and share. That would be so helpful. Um, and then, of course, you know, here we're on the live uh, stream here. So. I'm this is kind of the next layer of innovation that we're doing in the podcast. So we're always able to take questions. So if you want to zing some questions or comments, I'll read them on the air and we can kind of have a little bit of dialogue as well. Um, one other comment before we get into AOC and all of that, I want to share a couple other things. Um, my last podcast, I talked a lot about the gig economy and I've gotten a lot of feedback from a number of different listeners and viewers that were asking questions about the gig economy. And, and it was interesting that sometimes we get into some of these semantic um, definitions of what the gig economy is, because so many of us, when we think of the gig economy, we immediately jump to Uber or Lyft or DoorDash or some kind of a, a job that can be activated by an app on your phone. And that's sort of the 21st century kind of new economy. There's a lot of that. But when I talked about the gig economy um, in the last episode and the gig economy mindset, which was really what I was going after in that episode, you know, it really, the gig economy, I think, is almost the 21st century way of talking about independent contractors, freelancers, solopreneurs, you know, people that are out there just hustling for work assignments. And yeah, being a driver for Uber and Lyft, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. I mean, it's much broader than that. And I think it has just tremendous opportunities for people, especially in adjusting our mindset so that we can think more like entrepreneurs and think more in terms of identifying opportunities applying innovative solutions and really showcasing our value as as a as a partner as a worker or in some cases even as an employee in a corporation that mindset of being an entrepreneur even in the corporate world is just very powerful and that's what I was really hoping to reinforce there so 
Yeah, when I'm and I, I'll probably keep talking about the gig economy because I participate in it. It's a big part of my career, um, and because I do a lot of consulting work, I do a lot of project work for my clients. So I'm a big proponent of it, and I think it has huge benefit. You know, for for perhaps for you and maybe people that you know, and especially coming out of this whole COVID crisis, the whole economy has sort of been you know kind of went sideways a bit, and having that mentality. It's just really helpful, especially it'll help you build multiple streams of income. So if one of them goes south, you know, you don't have all your eggs in that basket. Like if you got laid off from a job um, this way, you, you can have multiple streams of income and kind of really be able to essentially construct your own safety net as you go through this. So at any rate, I, I wanted to clarify that. Um, also want to talk a little bit about. um yeah, the I was talking to one of my friends, uh, my friend Jack up in San Francisco, and we we're talking about the NBA playoffs and they're getting started. And, you know, how everyone already is starting to talk about Lakers Celtics this and Lakers Celtics that. And they're like, come on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the Clippers in the NBA playoffs. And it's because of Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, you know, because I went to all the San Diego State games when he was a player there and still go to the games there at Viejas Arena and just a big fan of the Aztecs. And so naturally, I'm going to root for him. But it's it's funny how, you know, here in San Diego, we're still bitter that the Chargers left and moved to San Diego. Right. And so for a lot of us, like I wrote off the NFL, I'm no longer following the NFL. And there's a lot of other people that um they are, uh, you know, refuse to root for the Chargers. They've like found another team. You know, David Leland, who joins me on the podcast, he's now a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. And a lot of people say they can't root for the Chargers because they stiffed San Diego. But then people will still root for the Clippers, you know, obviously because of the Kawhi connection. But the Clippers bailed on San Diego back in the 80s, back when I was in college. It's funny is back then in the 80s, I worked at the sports arena back when the Clippers played there. I was one of those guys that sold popcorn and soda up and down the aisles. That was a great, you know, again, a kind of gig work. It was a great gig for a um, a college student, you know, because I was like paid on commission while I was there and I got to watch NBA games for free and get paid to do it. It was just fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, we were bitter when the, uh, when the Donald Sterling moved the, char- the Clippers out of town in the middle of the night. So. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're, you know, we were, Jack and I were wondering about, you know, this whole Black Lives Matter. And now it's the players, you know, of course have, you know, phrases on the back of their jersey where their name would normally go. And we were wondering if that's going to continue in the next season and how sometimes we wish we could see the name because sometimes we see the player and we don't recognize them right away. And so we wish we could see the name. And then sometimes, you know, it, it says equality, which is cool. And I like that. But I, apparently, I guess on some of the jerseys, they're showing the name on the bottom. And sometimes that's not always visible. Um, so well, I'm looking at the live stream and it looks like it's acting a little funny here. So did it go dark for you? So, and then um, a couple of comments here. Ben Neal said, did you watch any of the DNC? And no, I didn't. Um, The Democratic National Convention wasn't watching that at all. Well, we're having trouble here, friends. The internet connection here is not working. There's apparently trouble here in paradise. 
Um, and Jamie Tobit chiming in saying might be on my end, but the audio is really hard to hear. Well, we are recording the audio only and we will share the audio only on all the uh, podcast platforms. But it looks like our video is going sideways. A little trouble with the um, with the live stream. So sorry about that, friends. A little technical difficulties. Um, but just to finish my thoughts on that, you know, my my buddy, Dennis, who works at the Postal Annex here in Poway, um, he's the Dodger fan. Of course, he's also a Laker fan. And oh, looks like our video is back in action. So um, but we've got a bet like we've always have bets, Dodgers, Padres. We also have now a bet Lakers Clippers. So we're hopeful that those two teams are going to meet in the Western Conference playoffs. So. We're going to see how that one works out. That'll be, I'm sure, for another good lunch. So I'll be taking the Clippers because of Kawhi. And let's hope for good things. Um, Then um, just a couple other programming notes. Um, You know, I'm doing these live streams and I'm still trying to kind of get into a rhythm because I want to schedule these. I want to have them more um, consistently scheduled. But it seems that, you know, just... The situation in my house and my family, it seems that in these evenings is the best time, typically after the Padre game. So I'm gonna, you'll probably see a lot more of these live streams in the evenings. Um, but this coming Wednesday, in two days, um, Wednesday, August 19th, I am scheduled to have a guest. And we'll be doing that over Zoom with um, Poway City Council candidate Frank Fournier will be joining us. And we'll be able to talk about some local political issues here in the city of Poway. And so we hope you'll be able to join us there. We'll also do a live stream and be able to take questions and answers from the audience. Um, Okay, so let's get into my second topic that I wanted to explore. And this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And, you know, AOC is obviously, uh, you know, a, a lightning rod. You know, she is extraordinarily popular. The progressives love her. The Democrats, you know, love her. She does get shunned by Pelosi and the and some of the corporate Democrats. Apparently, she was able to appear at the DNC, but I think she only got one minute up at the podium, which goes to show you how the progressives are kind of shunned by the mainstream corporate centrist Democrats. Um, but... I know I like I said, I kind of have a love hate relationship with her. And I kind of want to explain this because I think it's important. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, to me, um, I think I, I love her style. I mean, she's aggressive. She's smart. She's really savvy with social media. Um, she's fantastic at, you know, sort of poking the bear, you know, kind of agitating the other side. Um, she's really good at that. And she's extraordinarily relatable as a regular person. Um, so she has, and she's young and she's got energy and so many great things. The problem is what I have with her is I just don't like her politics. And sometimes, you know, she'll stand for things that occasionally I'll be in great support of. In other cases, more often than not, I'm I'm in huge opposition to. And it's interesting because one of our previous guests, um, Nick Neald, um, who joined us, he... um, uh, the author of the book, Just Be. And remember, he was here, I think, episode 99. We're, we're in 151 right now, but he was here. I remember it was the one right before 100. Uh, and Nick Neal posted on Facebook this, you know, kind of a, and it's not really a meme. It was more of a AOC photo and a quote. And I want to read this quote to you because it was very interesting to break this down. And AOC said, 
I find it revealing when people mock where I come from, say they're going to send me back to waitressing as if that's a that's bad or shameful. Um, and this is great because this is where she's poking the bear. She's be, being relatable as a as an everyday person, as a waitress, and she's really connecting, you know, with her base. And I love this in her how she's able to pull this off. Um, but then she goes on to say, it's as though they think a member of Congress makes you intrinsically better than a waitress. But our job is to serve, not rule. And so it's those last two sentences that are really interesting to me because, you know, she says, it's as though they think a member of Congress makes you intrinsically better than a waitress. You know, it's funny if you break that down, like, what does she mean by better? Like, in what dimension? I mean, is it better in terms of moral character? I think you can argue that if you're in Congress, there's a lot of immoral character that happens in Congress. Um, Is she better in terms of life achievements? You know, a waitress as opposed to a congressperson. I think any rational person would say that if you're able to be elected to Congress, that's a tremendous life achievement. You know, is better the right word? But it, it's definitely an elevated status over a waitress. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Um, but is it better in terms of the impact on the world around them? Well, I think it is. I think Congress, Congress uh, representatives you could say have far greater impact on the world around them than a waitress does, sometimes negative, um, quite often negative, the, the impact Congress people have on the world around them, uh, but in other cases, better. Um, and then also, you know, are they better in terms of being human? Well, I mean, again, that's, that's debatable because you have to look at the, the individual character of that, of that person. But it's interesting because She's right, though, that a lot of a lot of her opponents want to knock her down and send her back um, to her previous life as a waitress because they're sick and tired of her BS. And but it's the reason is, is I think they just get so irritated with her because she's so damn good at delivering her message. She's so good at getting under the skin of her opponents. She's so good at using her version of morality to take the high road and and point out that her opponents are taking the low road based on her version of morality, which isn't necessarily the right morality. It's just her version of it. But she's really good at it, and she knows how to push those buttons. But the last line, I think, is probably the most important. She said, but our job is to serve, not rule. And let's be real. That's a lie. I mean, that's just a flat out lie because representatives in Congress, they'll say they're there to serve, but that's just the line they give. That's where they try to look selfless that, oh, I'm just here as a representative of the people. When people get to Congress, they are there because they want to have power and control over you. And power and control over them and power and control over those people and those people and that people. And they want to empower this group and that group. And they want to give special favors to these groups because it fuels their their ego and it actually, um, you know, makes them. I don't know what the right word is, but it 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 intensifies their their desire, that lust for power and. 
so when I hear politicians, especially at the national level, like I'll, I'll give a candidate who's running for city council who says they want to serve and be a representative of the people. I'll give those those characters credit. And we've seen some of them here locally. Um, you know, Nick Neald, excuse me, Pete Neald. Uh, that was a big part of his campaign platform. And then even right now, um, Phil Factor, you know, the humanist, that's a big part of his campaign platform. And at the local level, when they say they're, they want to serve and be a representative, I believe them. But at Congress, I don't. I'm very cynical. And so when Ocasio-Cortez, she says she's there to serve and not rule. Well, I'm sorry. You want to rule corporations. You want to regulate corporations. You want to increase taxes. You want to force people into any variety of mandated government programs. She wants to rule even though she's trying to look like she's just there to be of service to the people. And I think... um, She's she knows it, but she know but she's smart and she's savvy and she knows how to play that game. And that's the part, again, I like about her, even though the message often runs directly counter to what I believe. Um, she's really good at playing that game and appealing to not a wonky policy level of proving one policy is superior to the other. She's really good at at taking the moral position of 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 um uh, of her approach and showcasing why the policies she represents are of higher moral value and that's makes the, the argument so much more powerful than trying to be wonky about the bullet points and benefits of various policies she goes right to the core morality of the issue and that's what makes her so damn good um but you know not to worry um I know she'll never be president, um, you know, because according to her, of course, um, the world is going to end in 12 years. She said that in 2019, that the world would end in 12 years. And so she'll never be able to serve a full term as president because she won't be eligible to run until 2028. And if the world ends in 2031, then she has no hope of fulfilling her career as president. So no worries there. Of course, I say that jokingly, but she did legitimately say that the world was going to end in 12 years. And there was no conditionals. I mean, it was like a flat out, a flat out statement. And I mean, how in the hell is she going to be able to predict that? Can you say that in 12 years, we may go past the tipping point of climate change? And we can talk about that and make that argument. But to say the world's going to end in in 12 years, I mean, that's something that that the religious right are the ones that are usually talking about the the impending doom and the apocalypse and the rapture and the end of the world. Um, It's funny how we hear it from our uh, friends on the left in that case. So um, AOC, again, I, I give her great credit. I love her style. I love her approach. I love the way she uses social media. I love how she takes a moral position to hammer home her points, but her policies are the things that I have, cha- I have tr- uh, trouble with. Um, but I do want to give her props for that. And I know that Nick Neald is working on a project to kind of fight against corruption in politics. And we've talked about having Nick back on as a guest on the podcast. And Nick now lives in Prague in Czechoslovakia, but I think we'll be able to do a live stream and do it on zoom. So stay tuned for that. That's something we're talking about putting together. Um, 
yeah, just a couple more things. I mean, are you, how are you handling the heat? <laughs> it's been damn hot. And, and, uh, it was amazing to see just recently that they may have recorded the highest temperature of all time in the, in the history of human existence as far as when they've been able to measure temperature accurately. And I guess this is playing into the hands of AOC and the world ending with climate change. But in um, Furnace Creek, California, which is a great name, which is in the middle of Death Valley, it was 130 degrees. And I think was that on Sunday or was that on Mon- or Saturday? I can't remember. And it's supposed to get, continue to get hotter. Um, and it, it's amazing. I mean, they, apparently it was like 100 and it, they've had a few times where it's been over 130 once in um, Algeria and then once in Death Valley. But that was like 100 years ago before the you know, thermometers were very accurate. And so they questioned you know, the validity of that. But now 130. And it's amazing because I was just out there like a week ago. I was driving through Death Valley um, in between Baker, the home of the world's largest thermometer, and Pahrump. And um, when I was driving through Death Valley last weekend, it was like – you know, it was less than 110, but it was like more than 105. So it was like 108, 106 when I was driving through there. But can you imagine being in 130 degrees? I wonder what that feels like. I mean, it's just got to be like you walk outside, you must melt. Um, That's just unbelievable. Um, Now, I know that we're talking about having rolling blackouts now here in San Diego. They're talking about rolling blackouts up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I know for us, we have solar. So we're cranking the shit out of our air conditioning and not really worrying about it because, you know, we're not really having any impact on the grid, at least during daylight hours. Um, and uh, because, you know, we're able, you know, our, the solar panels we have on our house are awesome. And we definitely generate more solar energy than we use. We're like, uh, we, we, gen- we, have a, we generate a surplus of energy that goes back into the grid. And that's after not only powering our whole house, but also powering our two electric cars. But we're, um, we don't feel guilty about cranking our air conditioning. But um, I do worry that, you know, if they do have rolling blackouts, if the grid shuts down, we get shut down, even though we have solar. So I'm hoping we don't have that because it's been hotter than hell. Um, but I remember before we had solar, we did the deal with San Diego Gas and Electric and where you could get a discount um, on your electric rates, but you had to agree to be the first in line when they have the rolling blackouts. And I remember we did that originally. And boy, was that a bad decision because it's like right when you need the air conditioning the most is when you get blocked out and you get you know turned off. That was brutal. Uh, but then when we got our, our solar panels, we were able to go you know beyond that. And it's worked out great for us. Uh, but anyways, let's hope that the temperatures relax. Um, I saw one of my cousins up in... Um, in the uh, Petaluma, Santa Rosa area, they were saying it was hailing up there. I mean, just crazy weather right now. Um, so stay cool, um, stay near your air conditioner and stay safe. Um, so, gosh, we're about 38 minutes into this podcast. Um, I'm going to, after I wrap this up, I'm going to go back and I've been watching this new show on Netflix. Not Netflix. No, it's on uh, Amazon Prime because I just finished Mr. Sunshine on on Netflix, which was fantastic. Um, it was all about, you know, the the time when the Japanese conquered Korea and the Koreans were fighting back and fighting for independence. And it was all about a um, a 
a Korean boy who was a slave that escaped Korea, came to America, joined the military, and then um, as a captain in the Marines, went back to Korea to serve, I guess, kind of like in their embassy. Um, and uh, just it just was fascinating. It was like a kind of a an interesting piece of history that I didn't really know a whole lot about that was reenacted in that show. And I can't recommend it enough. It was really, really well done. And apparently, Mr. Sunshine was extraordinarily popular in Korea, in South Korea. Uh, so 99% of it is subtitled in Korean. Or excuse me, subtitled in English because it's spoken in, in in Korean. There's a little bit of Japanese and there's a little bit of English. Um, but if you're okay with subtitles, man, it's a really, really good show. And I think there are 24 episodes. So I wrapped that up this weekend. And so now I've moved on to a new show on Amazon Prime. And again, I love period pieces and I love especially reenactments of history. Um, I just find it fascinating. So now I'm watching a show on Amazon Prime called Victoria. And it's about Queen Victoria, um, you know, of course, in England in the 19th century. And this is really cool. I mean, because this is the time of the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, you know, a great time of change in human civilization and how she's breaking a lot of cultural traditions, not just within royalty, but also how she engages with the people and how she's now, you know, through the encouragement of her husband, Prince Albert, is beginning to embrace the new world. Um, and that last episode I watched, they were able to ride on a locomotive on a train for the very first time. Um, a person in England had set up one on their property not too far from London. And it was cool. It's a really, really good program. So I'm enjoying that one as well. And it's, um, I think it was on originally on PBS. Uh, so I don't know, I'm probably about six or seven episodes in. So I'm sure I'll be able to knock down another episode tonight. That's a really good program. Uh, Victoria on Amazon Prime. So I'll be switching to that. Padre game was good. Padres won 14 to four. They're back to 500. Hopefully they can put together a couple more wins and start climbing back up the standings. You know, we're, gosh, we're about a third of the way through the season right now, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see if they make some trades in the next week or two. The trading deadline, I think, is two weeks from today. So I'm just fascinated. This this baseball season is is a sprint. The Padres have the talent, finally, to actually get into the playoffs. And uh, after that five-game losing streak where I had lost all hope, I'm suddenly feeling the, 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 I'm, I'm, I got the faith back with the Padres. So I'm really happy they won tonight, 14-4. Fernando Tatis Jr., two home runs, a three-run homer and a grand slam. Uh, one was a laser shot. I mean, like they were saying it was like a 17-degree launch angle. I mean, it was like a low laser beam that got over the fence in deep left center. So just insane how talented that young man is and so special that he's playing for our home team. I mean, it's just awesome. Um, So looking forward to that. So they'll be playing again tomorrow night. They're in a stretch here of games every single day, which is for me as a baseball nut, really happy about that. Okay. So 
if you want to, you know, continue the conversation, you know, please subscribe on my mailing list. You can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com and, uh, you know, click on the subscribe button and you can subscribe to the podcast episodes. You could subscribe um, to any number of things on our website. You can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's links to that as well. Um, you can get on our mailing list and um, also on johnreillyproject.com. I've been writing a lot more blog articles and really trying to get more more into having more content as part of this project, more than just the audio and video podcast. I'm trying to do a little bit more writing and I'm still kind of in the early stage of this. I'm getting into a rhythm with it and I'm sure that's going to continue to improve. And so I've, I've had a number of posts there in my blog. So I encourage you to go check that out. Um, and then of course you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and I'm pretty active there. I, I need to get more engage with Instagram, but I'm very, very active on Facebook and Twitter. So seek me out there, um, John Riley Project on Facebook or John Riley Poway on Twitter. And I've got three awesome quotes to finish this podcast. And it's, you know, we talked about magic mushrooms and, and psychedelics and all this. And here's like three really famous guys and their experience with psychedelics. And it's Cary Grant, Steve Jobs, and George Carlin. And so I just want to read these quotes to you because they're just fantastic. So Cary Grant, he said, I have been born again, he told astonished reporters. I have been through a psychiatric experience, which has completely changed me. I was horrendous. I had to face things about myself, which I never admitted, which I didn't know were there. Now I know that I hurt every woman I ever loved. I was an utter fake, I, a self-opinionated bore, a know-all who knew very little. I found I was hiding behind all layers of defenses, hypocrisies, and vanities. I had to get rid of them layer by layer. The moment when your conscious meets your subconscious is a hell of a wrench. And with me, there came a day when I saw the light. And that was his experience by taking, L I don't know if it was LSD or shrooms, but he took psychedelics and it completely, radically changed his life for the better. Awesome. Just terrific. Now, here's Steve Jobs, you know, of course, the founder of Apple, him and Steve Wozniak. But Steve Jobs said, taking LSD was a profound experience, one of the most important things in my life. LSD shows you that there's another side to the coin and you can't remember it when it wears off, but you know it. It reinforced my sense of what was important, creating great things instead of making money, putting things back into the stream of history and of human consciousness as much as I could. And that's great, too. I mean, granted, yes, yeah, Steve Jobs made a hell of a lot of money, but he created products that changed the world. Um, he had massive impact on the world around him, bettering the lives with the products that came from his company. And his experience with psychedelics kind of reinforced that in him. You know, because you think a lot about entrepreneurs and business people, and it's all about the money. But really, if they're able to do what they love, in this case, Steve Jobs did what he loved, the money is just icing on the cake. They get their their self-esteem, their they get their fulfillment by producing these products that have such extraordinary impact on people around them. I mean, even Bill Gates, I mean, you think about the great things that he's done with Microsoft. I mean, far greater than he's ever done with his philanthropy. He's changed the world too. And so I, I just think it's great. So Steve Jobs, 
he took LSD and it was for him, it was great. Um, and again, we have this voodoo relationship with LSD. Again, I think we need to go deeper with this. We can't, we need to break down the fear with the war on drugs because a lot of these drugs that are outlawed and illegal actually have medical benefits, psychiatric benefits that can radically change and improve people. Now, here's George Carlin. Of course, you're going to figure you're going to get a hell of a a quote from him. And he says, fuck the drug war. (laughs) Dropping acid was a profound turning point for me, a seminal experience. I make no apologies for it. More people should do acid. It should be sold over the counter. Yeah, of course, George Carlin, he'd say that. But I mean, yeah, screw the drug war. I mean, the drug war is damaging society. It's not only preventing from these medicines from having great impact to solve serious problems in the world. But by keeping it illegal, it creates this whole underground, you know, black market where they use gangs and violence to enforce turf deals and enforce trafficking that ends up causing death and despair and um, of innocent people. I mean, we're seeing that in Central America. That's why those caravans were coming up to the United States borders because of all the disruption from the drug war. And then we look in the United States and you, you talk about gun violence. My God, if you want to reduce gun violence in the United States end the drug war, you know, end the drug war. And I think we'll see huge benefits in society if the people that are fear mongering drugs can just get over themselves and kind of look at it rationally, look at it objectively, that the drug war is damaging. Um, it is not helping. And, um, and but some people are just still clinging to that fear. So love that. Cary Grant, Steve Jobs, George Carlin, all having great experience, life changing for the benefit, for the positive for, from taking psychedelics. Um Wow. So what a way to close a podcast. Again, I never thought in a million years I'd be doing a podcast about drugs, but here we are. So um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us on the John Riley Project. This is episode number 151. We'll be back with you again. We're tentatively scheduled for Wednesday, um, August 19th with um, Poway City Council candidate Frank Fournier. Um, he is running against Kalen Frank and Chris Olps. And um, really looking forward to meeting Frank and learning about his campaign platform. So if you live in Poway, especially if you live in District 4 in Poway, this will be a really good podcast, and I hope you can join us. So thanks again, friends. We'll see you later, and have a great evening. Bye-bye. <music>